again. Uh, welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This will be episode 34. Um, hope everyone is doing well out there. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about de-evolution or, I don't know, dehumanization or pulling a full society, a world society, down into its animal mind. Uh, such a, a topic to keep continually covering until people begin to understand the programming that is causing this. And we can look back a few short generations to see a much higher-minded society. You know, it was funny. I was watching uh, Jason had mentioned he loved a movie Time After Time, and I'd recently read H.G. Wells' Time Machine again. And I was actually wondering how it came that the uh, the hoax event Jack the Ripper came to be so closely associated with H.G. Wells. Um, I think Jason's actually looking into that. But in that movie... Uh, you know, they're showing letters that were written back in the day with this beautiful handwritten script that pretty much everyone wrote that way. And when you compare it to the modern age, it's just another example of the kind of low-minded system that has affected us all. But I noticed that as we were coming into the election, I don't watch the news, but I do follow a few YouTube channels. It seemed that the hoax events uh, the hoax violence, the hoax death that is so prevalent on the news all the time, kind of petered off a bit. And as soon as the election was over, it seems to be ramping back up. Um, I was watching a relatively new channel called Changing Reason. You guys should check them out. It gives a very level-headed assessment of false hoax news events that have gone on around Macy's. Macy's, of course, being connected to cybernetics. Cybernetics, of course, is connected directly to the Tavistock Institute and the people who decided that they were going to use psychology and science to dumb down a world population. Jungle Surfer is out there as usual, knocking them down as soon as they stand up. So many people go to his channel and say, I don't understand the gender thing, and they throw the baby out with the bathwater, which is a shame. Anyhow, um, I wanted to say something about the election. So many people are still really upset with the outcome of the election, and I had pointed something out in the second hour of one of my recent shows, so I'll cover it here. Um, <clears throat> the elections are a sham. Uh, people who get so wrapped up in it need to understand that that election will turn out any way it's meant to, and we have examples that prove this is true. So let me tell you a little tale here. The Electoral College is actually what seats a president. Okay? You guys can go look this up if you don't understand. So all this voting that goes on is nonsense. And people could say, well, that's not true, and come up with all these reasons why the Electoral College is representatives, and they vote la da 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 Well, I am sorry. We have four real-life examples of the Electoral College seating a president against the popular vote. As a matter of fact, one of those stolen elections was, uh, what's his name? Is it Benjamin Harrison? I hope I have that right. Whose descendants, whose descendants give us such great entertainment as Pawn Stars, I kid you not, elevating our minds each week with another episode of that great show. Um, there are four examples of the election simply being given because the Electoral College felt that was the way to go against the votes of the people. That proves flat out. But let me go back a little further. We are told that there were 13 colonies in the United States when the Electoral College was being formed. The great state of Rhode Island, where I live, 
currently for a while, um, actually stood up and said they would not participate in the fraud of the Electoral College because it was nothing more than a backdoor power grab designed to keep the very same people who have always been in power continually in power whenever the vote may challenge them. So there it is, man. You have a whole state saying we will not participate in this fraud, which means that the 12 remaining colonies put the backdoor to stealing elections called the Electoral College into place. And again, people can argue all day long anything they want, but we have four examples, recorded examples, of the Electoral College sidestepping the will of the people to seat a president, and that proves the game right there. So I would suggest that being tied up and upset with the outcome of the election or falling into this kind of hate baiting that is going on around it and the gender game that is going on around it is is nonsense. Don't get wrapped up in that. It is what it is. If you want to take your time to be upset with something, maybe you should take a look at the system called the Electoral College, which is nothing more than a designed method for those who have always held power to continually hold power regardless of what the people may say or do. But let's get back to de-evolution a little bit. So much of the system we live in has these things designed into our culture that we never think about. And they harm us. They harm our children. A good example of this would be Santa Claus. Parents come and they tell their children to believe in a fantasy in a thing that does not exist, and in their belief, they're rewarded with material goods. They do this with the Easter Bunny. They do this with the Tooth Fairy. Candy is delivered. Money is delivered for the tooth that the Tooth Fairy leaves behind. And what we see here is adults primed into a system where they are now preparing their children to believe in fantasies. At some point, those children will get old enough that they understand that they've been lied to. This will further prime the system to deal with lying and confrontation and fantasies in an unconfrontational way. They'll just grow up and they'll do the same thing with their children. This is not a high-minded way for adults to act with children. And as a matter of fact, these adults that are telling their children to believe in this lie flat-out lie called Santa Claus, themselves are now believing in other fantasies. And they can't see reality because the system as a whole is primed to pull us into this fantasy mindset. We see so many channels taking apart things like this recent warehouse fire, which is a wholesale sham, can be demonstrated that it's a wholesale sham. Yet the majority of the adults out there are believing in this fantasy. So I would suggest, while you can look at children and say, oh, those children are believing in a fantasy, maybe you should grab yourself a mirror and look in that mirror and look a little more deeply. Are you believing in fantasies? Has that carryover from the time you realized Santa Claus was not real and replaced it with all the other fantasies that will come on the priming of those cultural ideas, what is it that you believe in now that maybe you should take a closer look at? Do you understand what Sandy Hook was? Do you understand what that smoke bomb at the Boston Marathon was? Do you understand what the warehouse fire that's being reported now is? These are all hoaxes, and actually a better word for that might be hex. These are all hexes. 
you see they're pulling you down into this lower de-evolved, and I hate to use that word, mind. And people may say, well, how is that? Well, let me, let me address that. <clears throat> I've used this before. You know, an animal goes out into the woods, a wild animal. Let's use a deer that eats grass. And every little noise that's made, that deer stops. And it says, hey, man, something's going to get me. I better be alert. It hears a noise. It jumps. It runs. It lives basically in a reactionary state powered by fear because it's a deer that eats grass and there are things out there that can kill it. That's an animal's life. Human beings don't need to live like that. And yet these false hoax slash hex news stories are designed to do exactly the same thing to a human being. They turn people into a lower mindset that is afraid to get on a plane. They go through all the security and they're worried about terrorism. They're worried about all these false constructs. The Daily News delivers any litany, you know, just an endless litany of reasons why you should be afraid every day. But here's the rub. It's all manufactured. There's no basis in reality. As a matter of fact, I was considering the other day that if I never had access to the internet or media or TV right now, and I just walked through my entire lifetime, say I live a hundred years, and in all that time, how much actual violence, hatred, rape, you know, all these things, terrorism, how much would I actually see? And I would suggest that it would be such a minuscule percentage of my life as to have little or no bearing on how I lived my life. And yet, the television, the news, any number of information sources will bombard you every day with probably 90-some percent of the fear, violence, and negativity that will lower your human mind through media. That's how it comes to you. Consider this. You know, you're told someone is beheaded on the other side of the world, and suddenly this has a bearing in the United States. Well, why? First of all, it's a lie. So you're believing in a fantasy. Secondarily, even if it were true, what bearing would that have on the United States or the people living so far away they, they could do nothing about it even if they wanted to? Um, it, it doesn't affect you one bit when you go to the grocery store, when you go to work, when you tuck your children in at night. It should have no bearing on your existence, and yet this is not what we see. These hexes that are thrown at you daily through the media, daily, and I'm thinking like 80 or 90% of all media at this point, news and other such sources, are throwing just an endless barrage of reasons you need to be afraid, reasons you need to question your fellow man, reasons why you need to hate another group that is not like you, reasons why you can't get along with your wife because she's female and you are male. These are all fantasy-based constructs, and yet it is working so well in the modern age. It's gotten to the point where when I watch occasional things that I record to see what's going on, I see an endless line of fun being made of the now lowered, mentally lowered world population. Happens all the time. Happens on Family Guy. Happens on The Simpsons. Happens in all the sitcoms that you see. It's even written into the soundtrack of our lives. Did you ever consider what the great American classic, American Pie, is covering. Well, it's covering hoaxes. Covers the nuke hoax, covers the fake death of a bunch of people. 
that were musicians, um, go look at those lyrics with a fresh eye. Remember, which we have covered here before, that the words Purple Rain were first uttered in an America song some 40 I've forgotten, 40 some odd years before Prince. And when the writer of that song asked, why was Purple Rain written into your song? He said, it beats me. And yet we all can see that on the day Prince died, the queen had her 90th birthday and she released a beer called Purple Rain. And I mean, this goes on and on and on, and it's not even hidden. It is not even hidden. Yet the programming across our culture is so strong that the average person will make any excuse they can think of to cover for the nonsense that this is. Prince's death was a tribute to the Queen of England. It's demonstrable, yet it's a bit outlandish, so people just will not be able to focus their poor little minds away from the news, away from the terrorism, away from what they consider a normal day to confront the reality of what is going on. The de-evolution of an entire world. Seems a bold statement, but it's a you can demonstrate it. It's not really a questionable thing for anyone who wants to stop and begin to factually, logically take apart the culture we have been brought up in. I had recorded something on TCM, the Turner Classic Movies channel, because I wanted to see uh, a, a movie called December 7th, I think it was called, covering Pearl Harbor, which incidentally is in a day or two. So that fraud, the first 9-11, will be ramped up and thrown in your face again for so many adults to believe in that fantasy. But they were covering an old actor called Myrna Loy. And they actually showed a clip where... I've forgotten the male lead. The male lead comes up to the microphone and says, Myrna Loy is proof that we do not live in a republic because here she is, the queen. And then they start giving her crowns. What do you think is going on here? Go listen to American Pie. When the jester sings for the king and queen in a Cody borrowed from James Dean, what is being said here? If you want to go look up what some jackass wrote to tell you it's about the king of rock and roll, Elvis, or some other nonsense, take those words at their value. I mean, come on, guys. It's late in the game. Very late in the game. And every month that goes by, we see just more false news, more false death, more false shootings. And it is everywhere. It is staggering. To consider that the sheriffs of the United States of America are complicit at the leadership levels in what we are seeing. That major city police departments like Dallas and Baton Rouge are complicit, as are the fire departments, as are any number of official organizations in those cities that had to have known it was a hoax. And we see so often that they start as drills that are filmed and then at some point clicked over and passed off as real events. This has been demonstrated over and over and over. But my point would be, what kind of people are we looking at here? If you participated in that thinking it was a drill and then later saw it passed off on national or world news as a real event, what kind of a person are you now contributing to the fantasy of an adult population worldwide. 
The time has come to grow up. Santa Claus does not exist. And believing in the Boston bombing is no different than being six years old and believing in Santa Claus. It is the same damn thing. The onus is on the people. You have the ability to use your higher adult mind. You have the ability to detect fraud. You may not understand all the parts and pieces, but you will not hear the ring of truth if you look and listen for it. It's that simple. So as we come, you know, up to the new year, we're going to be in 2017 pretty soon. I imagine we're going to have another year of faked events, false violence, this kind of organized, cybernetic, de-evolutionary, lowering into the animal mind of a world population. And how many of us are going to wake up this year? How many of us are going to say, enough is enough? And there is no getting away from it. You believe in Sandy Hook, you may as well believe in the Tooth Fairy or the Easter Bunny or any other fantasy character. It's the same thing. While children are fooled by adults to believe in these nonsensical things that will lower their human abilities over a lifetime, starting at a very early age being taught to believe in a lie, in a fantasy, and then coming to the age where they realize, hey man, that wasn't true. And then growing up and doing the same damn thing with their kids. What a system. But those adults, they got their own tooth fairies. They've got their own Santa Clauses. And if it comes out of your television, if it comes from any media, any news, I don't give a damn who or what is pushing it. If it comes through the gateway called information and news and media, you are looking at agenda. I've outlined what the Tavistock Institute had to do with all this. I told you about a new channel called Change of Reason who's drawn the lines for himself, completely independent of me, that cybernetics is at the heart of the Macy's gang, and he points out, I don't know, four or five of these false, violent events that are centered or right next door to Macy's. And he even takes the time to show the Macy's group getting involved in cybernetics. So as we jump in, let's Think about, you know, what's 2017 going to be? At what point to those of us who have quit believing in the fantasies begin looking at other adults around us and saying, hey man, there is no Easter Bunny. And you know this. I'm, I'm just saying. So uh, anyhow, let's get into episode 34. So I mentioned not too long ago that Turner Classic Movies ran a bunch of footage under the heading of To Tell the Truth, film as propaganda. <clears throat> Excuse me. And one of the films that was played was December 7th, which is supposed to be a documentary on Pearl Harbor and include real combat footage. And I'll address that in a second. I would like to point out that I believe on December 7th or sometime close, Turner Classic Movies will again be running December 7th so people can go look. I don't know that it will be the same exact footage that they played under the film as propaganda version of that film. We'll just have to see. But here's a documentary stated as a documentary being run in a segment that is about film as propaganda. And when you begin to look at the December 7th film, what you see is the most banal propaganda 
against race, against peoples, against all these things to prime the American mind into the December 7th, the idea that the Japs uh, were the enemies and, um, well, everyone's aware of that kind of language. But when you look at the film, and I'll point a few things out that you can go look for yourself. The first thing is that in old, like Godzilla movies and other things, you can tell during the film that they're using models. Um, at some point during the technical advances of using film and models, they began to realize that certain lenses and shooting in certain ways would really begin to make the models look more realistic. So if you really built some kick-butt models and filmed it in the right way, you could really start to pass it off as real footage. And this is part of what they did in December 7th. They did it with ships that were supposedly being bombed. And when you look at it, you know that they are trying to make it look like real combat footage. But if you use your higher adult mind, you can see what is going on. These are models. Who in their right mind goes out and makes models of these supposed American warships that were blown up where all these people were killed and then do everything you can to pass off those models as real combat footage? But there's more. There's a particular piece of footage that shows all these Japanese zeros, I guess, coming in over an airfield to blow it up. The problem is nothing's fallen out of the Japanese zeros. All the bombs are planted in the little tarmac um, that was set up to give the effect, give the impression, the illusion that this is real combat footage. And this goes on and on. And I will state categorically, there is no portion of that movie that shows actual real combat. And there it is. And the average person will say, well, how can this be? Well, how can it be? How can it be that everyone just accepts what they're told? There is a Santa Claus. You need to believe in him. It's no different. Go out and challenge it. Here we come. December 7th, they're going to run it again. Go look at it. But use your adult mind, your higher mind, your human mind that can reason and challenge and prove to yourself what you are watching and as we all know, Pearl Harbor has been called time and time again, you know, the first 9-11 or 9-11 being referred to as the second Pearl Harbor. We have the documents coming into 9-11 that showed if we had another big drastic event like Pearl Harbor, we could accomplish all these things. These are all on public record. <clears throat> it never ceases to amaze me, the endless line of people that come to the cha channel that want to defend this nonsense. Let's take Pawn Stars. How is it that the descendants of a president that was seated by stealing an election through the Electoral College, those great examples of human beings have their own TV show? How is that? As a matter of fact, they even point out that they're descendants of Harrison in the same way that the movie December 7th was included in a propaganda film run. It's a bit like the movie They Live. Hey man, some of these people can see. Some of these people have the glasses now. So they're stating flat out, you're looking at propaganda. They're stating flat out, hey man, remember that president that stole the election? Well, these are his descendants that now for some reason, out of all the millions of people in this country, have their own TV show to push materialism and other high-minded ideals. 
masters of showing the American people a better way to live. Of course. But during the To Tell the Truth footage, I watched Combat Reel that went, I've forgotten the name of it, it was combat reels that were stated as documentary real combat footage, and I was a U.S. Marine. There was no real combat in any of that. Not one single piece of combat. As a matter of fact, in, in uh, the Midway footage that I watched, Midway is a wholesale fraud. Go look at the, the, the Midway documentary, and if you can walk away from that not understanding what you are looking at, then you got some work to do. There's actually footage of these guys in Midway, supposedly in a pitched battle with anti-aircraft guns, shooting at these supposed planes that are nowhere to be seen. And as the camera pans across the people, they're all laughing and smiling. If you stop the footage and back it up, you can see these things. These are major historical milestones that are no different than what we're seeing in the modern age. As a matter of fact, I was talking with a friend of mine not too long ago. We looked at the very first film, Spacewalk. I think it's Gemini 4. I'm not sure if I've got the number right, but it's the Gemini Missions. First film, Spacewalk. You'll know you're looking at the right footage when they show the astronaut floating around in supposed space and a glove comes from the bottom of the screen, hits the bulkhead, hits this other thing and ricochets away. Well, I took that footage apart. Matter of fact, I wanted to run it on my channel, but I'm a little bit worried that if I do that, um, I'll get cited. But if you look at that footage and you put it in reverse on slow-mo, you will see that the very first film spacewalk is a hex, is a hoax. Watch the glove as if you run it backwards, coming from what would be space to do its second bounce or its first bounce when in reverse. And you will instantly see that the angle is impossible and it's quite clever because when you watch it forward, your eye doesn't quite catch it. But there's more. Not quite sure how they did the space effect, but when I was in Houston and they made us swear we wouldn't film any of this movie they were going to show us about how great America's space program was and that, you know, all this stuff going through a cattle call, locking the doors and getting you back to see this thing. There was this weird effect whenever they showed a spacewalk. Um, and it's insidious because while you're watching it, it gives you the sense that, oh, it's this strange place called space this guy's in. But when you click yourself back out of the trance that you've been put in and over to your higher mind, you begin to say, wait a minute, why is it all jerky? Why is the speed wrong? And what you find, my guess on how they're doing it, is they've changed the speed of the film and they've lifted frames out. As an example, if it was shot at, maybe they even shot it at a higher frame rate. I don't know. Um, say they shot it at a high frame rate and every fifth or sixth frame they pull. But when you go and look at it, it gives this kind of sci-fi, subtly herky-jerky motion that is not natural. And you can imagine that if a person was filmed underwater, how fluid and smooth it would look, which should be a similar, you know, a similar way to imagine things as if you were actually in a weightless environment. And yet when you begin to carefully look at these spacewalks, you can tell the film's been manipulated. Well, why? And that sets aside the glove. The glove flat out proves that it's made up, that it's tricky editing. It's what it is, man. 
You know, the, the major milestones of our existence have been faked. To the point where those of us that can see, those of us that do have the magical sunglasses, which are actually just adults acting like adults, we can see all these things to the point where when you go back to look through history, you realize that you can't trust it. Who wrote it? How did we get it? Where's the chain of, you know, possession for this information? <clears throat> so, as we move forward, I will say one more time, we're coming up on December 7 here. Maybe, hopefully, they will run the same version that they did during the propaganda series and check out the film December 7th. Look for the bombs coming out of planes that are blowing everything up. There are none. You can see with your eye. I have seen it in a military setting. When a plane drops ordnance, you can see it. Even when a plane shoots a powered missile, you can see it with your eye, which is a hell of a lot faster than something being dropped and just the speed of it falling. And you will notice that on the tarmac of these planes that are supposedly being strafed and bombed by zeros, uh, the charges are already there in the ground to be filmed. Not to, not to imagine how the hell did a camera sit there with these planes coming straight down his tailpipe, you know, how did he film that? Um, but that's a side thing. So telling when you begin to think about how did the, where was the camera in the shot? How did this happen? And then you imagine a real combat scene and begin to think, how is any of this stable footage? Because let me tell you something, real bullets, real bombs, you're not going to have a second of stable footage. And that talks speaks to the midway piece that I, I, I hope people can... Matter of fact, someone... I did notice that someone in my last episode or the one before posted a link to the full Midway uh, footage on my YouTube channel. And, and it's worth seeing. And, and my God, you know, in the middle of combat, they start raising the American flag and a grandmother's voice comes on and says, this really happened. It's beyond the pale, man. So let's keep moving on. So right now in America... They are piping out on HBO a show that's trying to be, I guess, a bit like Game of Thrones um, in its popularity called Westworld. Uh, for those who follow the podcast, you'll remember that Jason and I did a look up while we were recording to discover that the first Westworld back in the 70s was the first film, well, cited in some places as being the first film to use 2D computer animation, and that the follow-up, Future World, with uh, one of the, the Fonda boy, what's his name, can't think of it, not Henry Fonda, but his son, um, Future World was is cited in some sources as being the first film that used 3D computer animation. But in the West World, uh, the idea of transhumanism, and all this, of course, ties back to the Tavistock episodes that I've put out. Um, but the Westworld idea, it seemed to me that in a weird way it was echoing Animal Farm by Orwell. By the way, Orwell's not his real name, but we know him as George Orwell, 1984 Animal Farm. A few famous books he's written that, have, that were directly penned... Uh, from his fear of influence around the people who were the, the initiators of the Tavistock psychological sciences. It's documented. But I went back and read Animal Farm. I, I would recommend that everyone do it. It takes like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. I'm not the quickest reader. I think I did it in under two hours. Animal Farm is still on offer in almost every high school in America. 
And when you read that book, there it is in your face again. The very game that I spend so much time trying to make people aware of is being outlined verbatim in the book Animal Farm. You know, we talk about the higher mind and the lower animal mind or the reptilian mind. These are the things that are being addressed in Animal Farm. But a strange synchronicity happened because I had been filming or recording uh, the Westworld things to watch parts of it or watch whole episodes. And uh, in last night's episode, they actually referenced Animal Farm. There's a thing called The Maze. It's in a tin. The cover of the tin is called Pig Clover, and it shows a pig walking upright on his back two legs. That's a direct reference to Animal Farm, confirming what I suspected, that all these Tavistockian ideas are all being repurposed and repackaged and pushed out again and again and again and again. Of course, in the modern Westworld, so many people recognizing that the droids or the hosts, as they're called, are actually the common man. The idea of the maze um, being what we're caught in, the purpose of the maze to keep us stuck in this world. And of course, it's finally located, the center of the maze is located in a graveyard. And at the end of the film, when there's a death occurring, of course, the moon is prominent in the background. All the things that I talk about so much in, in my episodes here. The moon always echoing our death, always being related to the idea of being recycled into this existence and trapped. The idea of being insane, uh, which, I mean, to some degree, that allegory works for the whole fantasy allegory I've been talking about. In a way, you're not quite sane if you're believing in Santa Claus at an adult level. And so many of the things adults believe these days are, are no better than believing in Santa Claus. It's just simply that we have not reached a period in time where enough people understand that you do not accept anything. You do not believe anything just because it's been put before you. You challenge it. You assume that it's wrong out of the gate. That doesn't hurt anybody. That's what an adult does. I see this information, but I need to know whether this information is valid. I will challenge this information. That is what a human being does that is not going to be fooled. It's a bit like buying a car from someone and just because that person told you the car's in the best condition a car could be in, you say, okay, here's my money and drive away to find out that wasn't true. It's no different. But I have members of my family that are still in teaching positions and I ask them, is Animal Farm still, you know, pushed in the, I think it's ninth grade. I don't know, maybe it's eighth grade, eighth or ninth grade. Animal Farm in many, many, many schools, as it was in my day in junior high school or high school. Animal Farm, Lord of the Flies, these books are still being put out there. So the reason I'm bringing this up is there it is, man. They're putting in front of you the very game that gets played. In Animal Farm, they take pains to demonstrate how reality has slowly changed over time. The characters in the book not quite being able to remember what actually happened so they just end up accepting what they're being told now because they're not quite sure what happened four years ago or five years ago or two decades ago in the case of a human being. And then, of course, the allegory of some of the animals coming up to a human level, those being the pigs or the most intelligent of the animals in that construct. And again, for the record, Animal Farm, 1984, Brave New World. These books are cited as having been created 
by authors who were either in the sphere of influence or had been around the people who initiated the Tavistock idea of using psychiatry and psychology and science to take control of a world population by basically reducing them down to a retarded version of what a human being should be at this point in time. And yet, we do see a lot of us who sometime around 2009 caught on to the game. Even earlier, 2000, even earlier, I have met some people that in the mid-90s were totally on the trail to the falsehoods. And while people like me, I knew things were not right, but I don't think in the early 90s I was quite to a place where I could understand that the wholesale fraud was being perpetrated by a group of human beings. It wasn't much longer, but there it is, man. So, I mean, if you if you have an interest, go back and spend an hour or two of your life to burn through Animal Farm again um, and understand that it was written on the tale of influence by the Tavistock people and their ideas and, uh, and correlate it right up to what's being pushed out on HBO uh, in, in the form of Westworld because that is making fun of all of us in the same way all the vampire movies and the zombie movies are making fun of all of us. You see, we are the zombies. The vampires are the elite. They are parasites. They're no better than a mosquito or a tick living off the blood of the rest of us, living longer, creeping in the shadows of night, having higher abilities that we find hard to deal with. These ideas are simply just making fun of what's become of society. But moving on. So I had talked with one of my childhood friends, and we were reminiscing on all the silly things kids do. Um... And I'm going to relate to you something I thought about a couple days ago in terms of people being able to think about a thing in context or not quite being able to recognize what they probably should be able to recognize. When we were, I don't know, whether we were 18 or 19, it was the early 80s. The 80s, of course, the me generation. I mean, from New Year's Eve, 1979, uh, the party started pretty much in San Diego. The 80s was a very kind of optimistic, anything goes time. Anyhow, we would all drive around and we would been going to the mall. And we noticed at the time that just about every other car you saw had these bumper stickers that said, I heart to party on them. And this really began to annoy us. How could these stupid people be so unoriginal and they all couldn't think of anything more unique than to all to have the same bumper sticker and we thought we were so cool? Well, it didn't take long before we came up with the idea to get some white out and go through the shopping mall parking lot and change I heart to party into I heart to fart. We'd change the P with white out into an F and we'd erase the Y. And we thought this was hysterical good fun and we did this for, I don't know, probably a couple of months to the point where we would be driving and we would run into our handiwork and we'd see, you know, somewhere else in San Diego, a car driving with an I heart to fart bumper sticker. And we thought this was hilarious, this manipulation of information. But of course, this led to other things. There was a time in the 80s when everyone was very proud of their wheels, um, kind of way more than they are now. Um, and they would write their name under the driver's side window and a lot of times they'd have their girlfriend's name under the passenger side window. So we moved from updating bumper stickers to playing a new game with the information that these people were giving us. And here's the lesson in context. We would pull up at a stoplight and here would be this young guy in a Camaro 
and it would say Bobby, his name Bobby, right there under his window in fancy painted script. So one of us would go, hey, Bobby, what's going on, man? Long time no see. And we'd act like we knew him, and they'd sit there baffled, and we'd, you know, we'd see the reaction, whether they sat there trying to figure out how do we know these people. And a lot of them would act like, oh, yeah, I remember you guys, and we thought it was hysterical. So, of course, this game evolved. We've all seen, like, the minivans where the family, there's stickers on the back that show the mom, the dad, the kids. In a lot of cases, they had the names. So the game evolved into that where... Um, you know, we'd be saying more stuff like, how are the girls? Or I haven't seen Cindy and these people would be baffled. And we thought they were such idiots at the time because how could they not understand that this information was they were giving us right on the outside of their vehicle? But it's a lesson in context, you see, because these people were interacting with us, not recognizing that the information being thrown back at them was information that they had actually plastered on their car. And this is such an allegory for what we see in the modern age. And of course that game did get out of hand at some point where it started to become on the cars where we could see the girlfriend's name, you know, someone in the car would eventually claim they dated the guy's girlfriend. So, you know, getting to a point where it's not really that funny anymore if you think about the trouble that might come out of that, but of course stupid kids do stupid things. My point being is that this demonstrates a couple things that even silly kids can take information and manipulate it in a way that I guess it could be funny or maybe it's not funny at all. Maybe in some cases it's hurtful, but that the people that were experiencing the butt of these jokes and puns could not put together what should have been so plainly obvious to them that their name, they painted on their own car, that all the information about their family was in the back window of their car. And I think this is a heck of a lesson for people in general to consider that so much of the nonsense that gets slipped into our culture and that so few of us recognize is about context. If you simply look at the information and shift contextually how you are considering the information, a lot of times that is enough to get you over the hump and to begin to realize and recognize the information for what it is. And that may have been a labored point, but, you know, having talked with my friend a couple days ago, um, it, it all came full circle for me when I began to realize that had I been sitting in that car and I had painted my name on my car and someone did that to me, that I probably would have been in the same position trying to figure out how do these guys know me? How do these guys know my family? Um, and then, you know, maybe later, a week or two, do they put it together and walk out to the car one day and start laughing because they see their name on the car and get it all at once? Or do they continue to go for the rest of their lives, completely oblivious, wondering how the heck it was these people knew them so well that they couldn't remember at all? Anyhow, that's a lesson in context. You know, and this, this idea that silly little 19-year-old kids could take information and manipulate it in this way, which is maybe a little comical... Um, think about something like Facebook, where now you've got a major, major corporation collecting more data on people than has probably ever been collected before. And this plays into the Westworld allegory. You know, the hosts in Westworld are on little loops, and they're making fun of us, aren't they? You see, if you were to take the Facebook data, you would find that the vast majority of us are on our own little loops. 
You know, we get up 80% of the time, we eat breakfast in the same place or have the same thing for breakfast. We go to the same job, we get off at the same time. We tend to pretty much go to the same places after work and we're in these little loops, many of us, probably most of us, hard to know. But this data is being collected. You know, you see it on shows like Big Bang where someone will be looking at their phone and they'll say, oh, so-and-so just checked in at the Cheesecake Factory. Well, think about the idea of simply giving your name away or how many people are in your family on your car and now blow that open a few hundred million times to the amount of data you are giving away in a place like Facebook that identifies your movement if you're a person that checks in all the places or lets your location be known by your device, all the people you've ever known, all the jobs you've ever had, all the places you went to school, so on and so forth, pretty much the most complete history of an individual uh, freely given away and held by people who a short generation ago didn't have this kind of information on anybody where they didn't put, you know, a hell of a lot of research in and even then would never come close to the amount of data that's been given away. Um, and so this is also a, a contextual lesson. You know, what we're doing here is saying, I'll give all my information away. I'll let someone track my movement. I'll let someone know everywhere I've ever attended or lived or phone numbers I've had, or all the people I know, everyone in my family, every acquaintance I've ever made, and what for? We could text any of these people. We could call them on a cell phone. We could email them. But what we choose to do is use a interface like Facebook, which is designed to do one thing. Well, two things, actually. Let you have the benefit of communicating so readily with all your people, which you could have done in the first place, but the real reason is to collect all this data because it gives the most accurate map of humanity that has ever been recorded ever. And so when I look back at my 19-year-old self screwing with people because I could deduce their name or the m members of their family, and I fast forward to now, well, there's this massive corporation where it is simply geared to do basically one thing, collect data and data mine it. You know, where do, where do we think this goes? When we turn on the news and we see all these false events coming at us, do we not understand that the people who are accepting this, the people who are not accepting this, are all going to log on to Facebook and they're going to talk about it. The people who collect that data are going to know instantly, instantaneously, that such and such a percent are totally being fooled by this piece of false propaganda. Or they're not. It is almost like literal real-time feedback, a real-time feedback loop. So the question becomes, does an adult human being have the duty to observe, critically observe? Because there is a difference between, say, witnessing a thing and observing a thing. We all sit down in front of the TV all the time and we witness what's going on. We see it happening but are we really observing it? Well, no. I could show you an endless list of TV shows where they have to made, make fun of your zoned out state, switch the shirt on a person in a scene just to demonstrate that nobody's going to notice. Things like this are done all the time. So I ask again, does an adult human being have a given responsibility to critically observe? And I would suggest that yes, they do in light of what we know about the system.
I would ask, should we be using things like Facebook? For me, there's no way in hell. When I got kicked out of Facebook for the third time and they demanded a picture ID from me and tried to get my home telephone number, I said enough was enough and I walked away. I won't do that. If I need to contact someone, I can email them, I can text them, I can call them, I can do all these things. But so many of us choose to simply post on the back window of our car everything about our families. Post on the window under the driver's seat our names. It's like an absurdly ramped up version of that, isn't it? But when we consider, do we really have any reason to believe that all that data that's being collected is just being used in a way that does no harm to us? Is that a realistic thing to believe? Or should we as adults consider that for the first time in the history of mankind, as far as we know, more data and a more accurate human map of the entire human landscape is being collected daily than ever has been before, what might be being done with that information? And I think as adults, we have one hell of a responsibility to observe, to consider, and to try to do better Because the children that are coming behind us will never have known a time when everything wasn't digital. They will never have spun an analog record, probably. They will never remember analog machines, mechanical machines for the most part, uh, in the way that those of us in the older generations do. Their whole life, they have been trained, if you want something, you go online, you buy it online, you find it online, all these things online. And so this plays so drastically into the things we've been talking about here, how we think about information contextually, how we, how we frame, how we put it in a frame of reference, how we consider a thing. And yet what we find is that the average person is more than happy to give away every single piece of data about their life simply so they can say hi to grandma or their childhood friend in an interface called Facebook And for many of those people, when you bring up the things that I'm talking about here, they will defend it in any way they can think of when in actuality, an adult human being critically observing and challenging would start to think, wait a minute, what is being done with all this data? Are we truly no better than the Westworld hosts all on little bitty loops? Um, I would suggest that is the allegory being put in front of us in that in that show. But anyhow, that brings me to the end of the top of the first hour. Um, for those who are members of Crow Triple Seven Radio, my next episode will be viewer questions and topics, and I will cover that more in the second hour. Anyhow, um, I hope everyone is doing well out there, and I hope as we come into 2017 that everyone listening will begin to consider that there is a more adult way of living than the majority of us are currently adapting to, where we observe and challenge all information and consider all ramifications, not just what we'd like it to be or someone told us it should be, but to arrive by our own given judgments what a thing is or what a thing isn't. And I will say lastly, an adult human being using a higher mind has the ability to detect the ring of truth or the absence of the ring of truth. So there it is, man. Episode 32, or I'm sorry, 34, first hour. Cheers. Cheers.